Your source for community. Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is Arts R Us on The Bay. Good morning and welcome to Arts R Us. My name is Karen Cassian and I'm here with my co-host Noreen Mitchell. And today we have the pleasure of guest Sonia Rainey. Welcome, Sonia. And uh, Sonia is an artist. She's uh, an independent scenographer for theatre and film, as well as a creator of site-specific performance events. Recently, she's here in Huntsville um, helping to design the Snow Village as one of the snow sculptors. So this is all great. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Tell us a bit. Can you tell us a bit about your background? I think you're from Bracebridge originally, but you you left there and went far away and then came back, and we're glad to have you here. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, I grew up in Bracebridge, so just down the way. And then from there, I ended up moving to Montreal and studying and doing a specialization in design for theater and performance. And then, unexpectedly, I went to Austin, Texas, where they have a a master's program in design for performance. And then after four years of being there, I came back uh, to Toronto and have since been coming back and forth from Toronto to Huntsville and doing various projects. Your connection is Dan Watson, the executive director of the Huntsville Festival of the Arts, I think. That's correct. Yeah, I met Dan in Toronto. He was doing a, a show in Toronto, and I came on board as a a puppeteer and a shadow maker and designer and we've been collaborating for a long time since then did you become interested in theater as a young person I was always interested in things behind the scenes. I was interested in fashion and sculpture always three-dimensional things and started to do like set painting and making objects and just you know play is such a great entryway into the arts and through school like school productions but mostly I think it was I loved literature and I loved art and I remember a conversation with my mom where she's like you know that there's a way of bringing these things together and it's design you don't have to be on the stage um and that was a real light bulb moment so cool (laughs) did you participate in high school plays I didn't I think when I was in high school there was a lot of teacher strikes and work to rule and so none of the extracurriculars were happening at that time so it was very self-guided with friends and making I think we made some short small films and lots of music happening but so it was university that it was really in yeah undergraduate that was kind of the opening to that and fashion design and making props and sculptures and that gateway into theater design you stayed on after your studies and worked in uh, Austin, Texas, as the prop supervisor? I what did. Do, what does that mean? So the prop supervisor, people often ask, what is a prop? And a way of understanding it that I think is helpful is if you were to move, anything that you were to put into your moving van would be considered a prop. Um, It can be something that's handled by an actor, but it can also be things that dress the space that are on the walls, that are the carpet, but it can also include animal wrangling. It can include any um, special effects items that are going to be handled. So that could be like swords or something like that. And it also includes food that's consumed or fake food that's not consumed. Uh, Sonia, what's a scenographer? 
a sonographer is kind of the holistic view of design for performance. So it's really thinking about the audience experience and not um, being just one form of, oh, I'm a costume designer or I'm a set designer, but really thinking about how all those pieces work together in collaboration with the other players in, in the show that you're creating. So is it sometimes sound and light as well? Yes, I would say I lean towards more of the visual aspect of it, um, but it can include all of the forms that make up a design. Because I've seen some of the illuminated work, uh, raft on the uh, an illuminated raft. I came across this, which seemed like a whole a whole installation. And I wondered, and you were given credits, so I thought, did you do the whole thing? So. I always work in collaboration with artists. I think that that's my favorite part of any project is getting to work with other people and us creating something we couldn't create on our own. Um, but I did, we did make an art raft in downtown Toronto at the shore. And it was a parade all the way from Parkdale down to the shoreline. And then it was an art installation that with community members we've created over the course of several months, um, this art installation. And there was musical accompaniment by our community and performances and an exploratory space for people to kind of escape the city and feel something different. I think there was a mannequin or a figure on a on a ladder seated yeah. in the middle. It was quite elaborate. So you mentioned community, working with community, and you're called a community-based artist. Is that what it means when you collaborate with many different uh, organizations? Yeah, that's correct. And usually it's a very long time-based project. So it allows people to come in and add small pieces of things that then as a whole create something really magnificent and big over a course of months that we create it. So that piece was a big puppet that was an homage to an artist at the drop-in center that we worked at. And this was a big puppet of him. And a lot of the art was inspired by his illustration work as well. Which leads us into the Snow Queen. <laughs> Tell us about the Snow Queen. I know yeah, it's been postponed until next year. You to work on that. And now a couple of years ago, I guess. It, I think it started in 2020. Yes, yeah, it, it did. And the Snow Queen is a story that's near and dear to my heart. I remember growing up with it. And when um, Dan approached me about creating it, it was to create a giant Snow Queen puppet. And so I had created that other large puppet. And it's inspired kind of by like a glam rock David Bowie aesthetic, which I was just absolutely on board with, loving the labyrinth growing up. And so the Snow Queen is going to be a promenade staging, which means that the performance won't happen in just one spot. It'll actually travel through the neighborhood from River Mall Park and will go to different sites in the area where parts of the scenes and the stories will happen. I love that. Unfortunately, it's had to be postponed because of the pandemic, because it did have this community element that you wanted to have, which was to have young children, right, work on parts of it. And they couldn't be together during the pandemic. They did manage to sculpt the whole face of the Snow Queen. So their hands are all over that. And then from there we did, I went away into the studio and, and did some finishing touches to bring it to life. But it's true. We had to put it on pause, but I'm hopeful for next but winter. But did I miss the part? The kids are helping you, right? Like, yeah. And what's the age group for that? Is That's it 7 to question. 12? Or seven I think to, it's 7 yeah. to 12. Yeah. Okay. And did they enjoy it? They must have. Oh, yes. I think that place of that age is so great for just getting in and saying yes and trying things. Yes. And they were amazing at sculpting the head out of clay first, and then doing layers of paper mache, and then 
peeling the paper mache off so that you've got this lightweight and very strong puppet. And I then, believe you worked with Catherine Luce, the artist that we yes, know very well. She's yes, great. and yes. has been a guest she's with us she's before. A real yeah. She's phenomenal, and she was making an incredible moose puppet that's going to be part of it. I think in the original, it's maybe a reindeer, but we thought for Muskoka, a moose would be appropriate. Yes. And yeah. it's a six person illuminated moose puppet. So it oh, requires wow. all six kids to make it move as one that is so cool i look forward to seeing I, that one i came across the fact that you went to the manitoulin conservatory ask, for yeah. creation and performance and i have to say i didn't know about this no, place and it sounds fabulous but sadly it's closed it has closed. I like to think of it as transforming, taking a new form. And I, I did go there. I actually went there thinking I was learning how to make masks. And it's a 16-day intensive. And on day two, I, I had a moment where I was like, I'm actually at clown school. <laughs> oh, <laughs> And so it's a real combination of creation in, in all its forms, but really embodied creating. That does include mask making, but is also about discovery and play and so much of that work uh, unexpectedly weaves its way into what I do as a designer even though I'm not a performer okay it's an unusual place to have that are, are there a lot of artists in uh, on Manitoulin Island Man Manitoulin it's really become a place where people come to from all over the world to come and study there eh? um, John is part of the clown duo Mump and Smoot and they uh, John moved out to uh, Manitoulin to start this. They've been in Toronto for, for years and years and then decided to make the move out of the city. Okay. And yeah, people have traveled since. Something to watch to see it, what new form will, it will take, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And did you also instruct there? Yes, I teach or I, I taught a workshop specifically prop making for clowns. <laughs> which is just the most fun class I could possibly imagine making, using a lot of recycled materials, because, of course, we're on an island. Mm -hmm. And so really trying to use materials that are in the area and also taking things out of waste stream and recycling things and imagining them in for clown. When you decided to be a sonographer and, and an artist, did you ever think, well, can you make a living at it? Like, is that <laughs> You know what? I thought that... This was the practical avenue. I was like, oh, working in theater and film is like a practical application of doing fine art. It's a, a, an applied art. So I was hopeful. I think okay. I've always been hopeful that it would be a lifestyle. Yeah. We're going to take a short break at this time. We're here with Sonia Rainey, and we'll be right back after this commercial. By Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. This is Arts R Us on The Bay. And we're back on Arts R Us. I'm Karen Cassian here with my co-host Noreen Mitchell, and we're interviewing Sonia Rainey. And Sonia, can I ask you about Nuit Blanche North? I know you were involved in 2012. That's probably another connection with Dan Watson, was it? And yes, it is that, was. And, yeah. uh, and you're coming back this year, are you? I would love to come back any year. It's just such a fun event. It's really community-minded and also just a wonderful space for people to create art that's embedded in the town of Huntsville. So that first year, we created the projections that were on the clock tower, and community members could well. have their you took faces face, in you the You took clock. faces from the uh, people that were attending yes. and projected them. It was fun. It was really fun. That was really fun. And that was with uh, another collaborator, Sean Frey. We had a chance to explore that. And it was new for us to do something 
at that scale. So it was a really wonderful opportunity. And you were a princess in a storefront, apparently. Tell <laughs> yes. us about that. <laughs> For our Murray Schaefer's uh, 80th birthday, we created an installation in one of the storefronts for that celebration and his performance. And part of it uh, was creating an installation in the window where we depicted myself and um, Schiffer Cooper were characters from that opera in particular. And dyed these dresses and had miniature canoes we'd made and um, a whole little installation throughout the piece. I think that was in 2013. That was the year after, right? I think so. I believe so. I think so. Yeah. I think it's so cool that your your occupation is all this creative stuff that you love. Like, how many people can say that they're doing what they love like that and creating every day? And I'm very fortunate, and I've been really w- lucky to be able to work with such amazing organizations and other collaborators who have had the imagination to invite so many people into their vision of what they want to create. You you mentioned Sean Frey. You did quite a few projects with him. Yeah, I did. So what is uh, the relationship there? Like, how did you get into that? How did you find, were you found by him or? Well, we went to undergraduate together and then I had moved to the States and I came, I had just come back to Canada and I was home for about a week and I was looking on uh, work and culture, I think, for art jobs when I was back. And I saw a post for an internship with Sean Frey. And I was like, wait a minute, I know Sean. And I, I emailed him or called him. And he was working on Dan's piece. And they had just had a script change where they had gone in a new direction. And so they were going to need a lot more puppets and projections. And they were just kind of amplifying all the visuals and I was like oh I'll come and help you for a couple weeks and those couple weeks stretched into a couple more weeks and I ended up working with a number of other community engaged companies doing some large-scale operas and other theater pieces and it kind of didn't stop from there so I owe Sean a lot in my uh, introduction to community engaged work and theater in Toronto. That's cool. Tell tell us about uh, the Snow Village. It's an HFA uh, Huntsville Festival of the Arts uh, project, winter project in River Mill Park and uh, I know you're here to help out and be a sculptor and how did that get started Uh, did Dan approach you yeah so I believe the actual sculpting of the snow village started two weeks ago now and they had a bunch of snow also brought in yes Fowler construction I unloaded a lot and they built forms in which to put the snow and waited a couple of days for it to form a block. Yes. and then, A large block. <laughs> yes, a very, very large block. If you go down there, you will see that there is a town hall, a miniature but very large town hall that um, Rudy Stade has been really the front of carving this massive block of snow into this cool space that you can climb up and also slide down. Um, And as well as Christine White has been here doing a lot of sculpting and snow work, but it's really like a magical snow playscape for kids and families and anyone to come and explore and also be able to add to it. So 
There's some beautiful elements. Um, Sandy Inkster has created a triple spiral labyrinth that you can explore. That lights up at night. It does light mm-hmm. up at night. And Friday evenings from 6 to 8 will be when those are lit up in the evening. You can come and explore. And there's also uh, the SMOMA, which is, oh, I'm going to forget the acronym exactly, but it is an art gallery that's entirely participatory. So you can come and work with the colorful ice blocks and the snow blocks and carve your own sculpture to add into the art gallery. So it's really going to be evolving over the next month and That's taking great. shape. I love the, the balloon ideas with the dye, and it look, they look like jewels in the, in oh, the snow. They're mesmerizing, yeah. and they're really simple to do if anyone wants to try it at home. It's such a satisfying ice and winter project. So you just blow up the balloon fill er, with water and put a bit of dye in and wait till it freezes. Absolutely. I would recommend putting in your food coloring first and then <laughs> filling it with water just so you don't end up with colorful water all over your kitchen. Okay. Yeah, and then just leave them in a snowbank overnight if the temperature temperatures below zero and then you take off the balloon and you're just left with this beautiful jewel wow they are jewels um and Sonia worked with Dan Watson's daughter Simone and Simone had a wonderful time with you it sounds like (laughs) she was a great help there's been so many amazing helpers who have gotten in and started digging and we have a lot of um snow castle blocks and bricks and shovels and spatulas so there's all kinds of tools there for you to be have you ever worked with snow as an artistic medium before i think as a kid (laughs) as a kid and it's amazing muscle memory getting back into it and be like oh right i remember this technique i remember making slush and using that as kind of a mortar for bricks but it's been that long i haven't done it as an adult so this is a fun foray into that there's a there was a snow food court too i think dan's son was was helping yes ralph was making snow cones at the (laughs) frostbite food court we were suggesting hot chocolate but no (laughs) maybe there will be hot chocolate in the future that would be a good idea too <laughs> anyway it, it looks fabulous down there and it's um it's happening the whole entire month of uh february I think, yeah isn't it we'll be there all month that's great when did you first start making big things like because some of the things you talked about the snow queen herself is about 12 feet tall and you know did you do big puppets like that before other than the the raft that you were describing, I think that that was maybe the first big puppet. And when I first moved to Toronto, I'd done a puppet where you wear the puppet's feet on your feet, and it walks with you. And it was supposed to be a little kid, so it came to about mid-chest. And th- at that time, that was the largest puppet I had done. But I really love a challenge, and I love scale, and working either very small so or So you worked big. small, too. <laughs> Yeah, well, one of my interests is making models for set designs or making stop motion and other kinds of puppetry. So it's fun to work big. It's so satisfying. That's <laughs> great. I can't imagine having a division and, and being able to do all the components you're mentioning. Yes. At the same point. Sonia, how, how did your life change during COVID? We ask all our guests. Yeah, that's a great question because, of course, working in theater and another part of my practice is doing art workshop facilitation um, with community members building these events. And so in COVID, initially that pivoted to doing a lot of workshops online and learning all the tricks and tools of Zoom and how to translate that community experience to an online platform. That's been, a, a, I'm sure, a struggle and an interest to a lot of people over the last two years. Yeah, it's really interesting that it is there is a component of pivoting and adapting that feels like 
tricky and challenging, but it's also made so much more accessible. The people who might not have been able to participate or get somewhere have been able to log on and I don't think it's going away after COVID either. I think it's, you know, there are many nights where I think, isn't this great? I don't have to go out. You know, I can it's just true, it especially in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. You can just stay in your cozy pajamas and That's also right. experience art. And the other piece is that I also pivoted into working in film and specifically um, working as a prop master in film production because film hasn't really slowed down during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. They have been able to put things in place to keep going. You could speak to that, Karen. <laughs> Film? Uh, you can speak to that, that it's continued. Your daughter works in... Oh, my daughter um, is working towards her CPA, and uh, she works in the film industry. And yeah, it's, it was going gangbusters throughout COVID. Yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible to see that industry kind of continue to thrive in this time. Do you think you'll event. continue in that vein? I think so. It's I have a lot to learn, and it's there's a lot of transferable skills from what I have been doing, but it's also a whole other culture and industry. So I'm eager, to, yeah, to keep learning and expanding my experience in that area. Have you c- come across Zazu Myers in your film industry? She's a, an art. Uh, director she's becoming well known in the film industry and she's quite creative yes I, I'm familiar with her work but yes, I haven't she's from met personally. Yeah. really yes yeah. I didn't realize that oh what a wonderful connection mm-hmm. so do you have any future projects that you have on the back burner that you want to or new skills that you want to learn oh definitely Always new skills. Right now, I'm sort of tunnel focused on snow and ice and everything that's possible <laughs> with that. Um, but I do have a couple of film projects that are coming up in the coming months in March and April that I'm looking forward to and possibly art directing those as well as doing props in that aspect. So always learning something new and trying new materials. How can people find out yeah, follow you and find out more about you. Um, right now, I'm on Instagram, just Sonia Rainey, S-O-N-J-A-R-A-I-N-E-Y. Um, I tend to post every once in a while, but I'm going to try and be better at sharing the work that we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And I'm sure if anyone wants to find you, they can ask Dan Watson. <laughs> it seems like uh, he, he calls on you when needed. Uh, yeah, we're so going to ask you about your artistic influences. Dan is definitely one. Are there other um, people that have influenced you over the years? It's interesting. I feel like with every project, I'm drawing on new inspirations. And so it changes all the time. Who And as, uh, as a designer and as a props person, I'm always researching new things, whether it's new materials or historic references. Um, Before coming up here, I just finished working on uh, an immersive sort of workshop with a friend of mine who's a playwright, Nikki Shafiula, doing a workshop of her play, Betty's House. And that was amazing because we created a pool inside of the theater center. And that was a really fun challenge to create water, a large container of water in a theater space. Well, that's it's so It sounds like constant play. Yes, it yeah. is constant play. It's constantly trying things you've never done before. That's, that's so cool. Well, thank you for joining us, Sonia. Yes, We've thank been, you very much. Well, yes, thank you so yeah, much for on, having me. Keep on creating. We'll see you down in River Mill Park all throughout February, I'm yes, sure. Yes, I hope to see you all there. Well, Noreen, we have a few things to talk about. Uh, There's a lot of uh, Huntsville Festival events that have been postponed and moved uh, forward to March and April, which is cool. Chantal Creviat-Souk is coming March 19th. 
Matt Anderson, March 20th. Uh, the Snow Village, as we said before, is on throughout the month, month of February. Don't miss Eclipse Walk with the Light up at the Heritage Center. That's on, I think, until May uh, every evening. Um, Tebby is on at Deerhurst, March 2nd. Uh, the Wasp Washboard Union, April 27th. Donovan Woods, April 23rd. Uh, Johnny Reed, October 14th. So the festivals have a, a lot of events coming up. Don't miss them. Um, from Friday, February the 25th to Saturday, March 5th, the last five years is running at the Algonquin Theatre, and that's Mallory Duncan from the Monarch Performing Arts Studio. It's supposed to be an excellent play, so check that one out. And how about you, Noreen? You've got some visual art events? Well, the Huntsville Art Society is pleased to see that the Partners Hall has reopened. So in the gallery now is a student show. The Huntsville High School students, senior students are presenting Trust the Process. After that, the, uh, there's a pop-up of the Huntsville Art Society members, and its show is called Fresh Paint, and that runs from February 16th to March 15th. Um, and the HAS newsletter is inviting HAS members to the second meeting of what are you working on? So look at those of you who are HAS members, make sure to, to look at the that. newsletter. Mm -hmm. And at the Huntsville Public Library, we're pleased that the Huntsville Art Society members have resumed uh, showing there. So right now, the show that was supposed to be in Partners Hall but got cancelled, or it's got moved, and it's now in Huntsville Public Library for February and March. And at Hospice, too, we have art on the walls there as well. That's so great. it's fabulous. These are a couple of initiatives. At least we're able to show art in different venues. And I also wanted to tell you that there is a new executive director with the Muskoka Arts and Crafts at uh, in Bracebridge. I heard that. And her name is Nicole Kitchen. And she is from Bracebridge, so that's lovely. And uh, she has a background in interior design, project management, and a history of family artists. So she's a good match for, I hope, to see Chapel Gallery open again. That's great. And at the um, Arts at the Albion, they seem to have reopened, and they're open Tuesday to Saturday. This is in Gravenhurst from 10 to 5 and Sunday 11 to 4. And that's the co-op gallery of 20 artists. So there's some things happening. And uh, don't forget all of the things that New Adventures in Sound Art and South River. Their current festival is on of the Deep Festival of, I'm sorry, the Deep Wireless Festival of Sound and Radio and Transmission Art. So it's a very interesting thing. So it's nasa.ca. Go check that out. I think that's it. Things are opening up again. That's great. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you once again, Sonia Rainey, for joining us. We wish you well. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And this is Karen Cassian and Noreen Mitchell signing off on Arts or Us. There's only one Hunters Bay Radio. We, we are, are Muskoka. Muskoka.